From Applied Client Network and the team behind Connections, this is Reapplied. I'm your host, Miriam Caceres, Client Service Manager with Arthur J. Gallagher Risk Management. Today, we are joined by Tanner Randolph, the CISO for Applied Systems, and we're going to have a lovely chat about cybersecurity, concerns, threats, things like that. So, uh, Tanner, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know it's, you know, right after Thanksgiving and all, it's, it's a little hard to sort of get these things planned, but I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Absolutely. You know, happy to be here. Great. So I thought we would just sort of dive in, especially now gearing up for the holidays, a lot of online shopping going on and just there's all kinds of threats out there. Everyone knows it. It's in the news every single day. And so if you had on emerging trends, things people should start looking out for, you know, we know we know about phishing and we know those sort of emails and things like that. But are there any things that you're seeing, any new trends that we should be more cognizant about? New trends, you know, cybersecurity for all the the news that it gets is really kind of boring and consistent, to be very honest. I mean, uh, it's really about being good at fundamentals, just like basketball. You know, you want to be good at patching. You want to be good at rotating your password. You want to be good at how you handle, you know, storing customer data, those sorts of things. You got to be mindful about what you're doing. In terms of like neat things that are going on, I mean... Russia's got some cool stuff going on in Ukraine, I suppose. Um, but nothing's really, you know, blowing my mind for for new threats that are coming on. It's always ransomware. It's always phishing. You know, it's the fundamental issues that we've had for the last 20 years. Okay, great. So you mentioned storing data. And as you know, with, with Epic and with Applied Systems, the data is critical to an agent's success. And there are a lot of bits of information, personal, private information that we have to keep track of, whether it's a social or a driver's license and sometimes payment info, but not always, it really depends. You know, what are some good ways, best practices that an agent or an office can think about to keep that secure and safe, especially knowing that new folks that are new to Applied or those of us who've been on here a while, and we'll be moving to the browser soon. And it won't be desktop anymore. It'll be out there, whether it's in the cloud or what have you. You know, how does that change things? Yeah, so I think there's a couple couple areas that, that change, right? One, I think we have to acknowledge that everything is getting done by browser today, right? I, I file my taxes via browser. I log in via my, my bank on browser. Like, it's very, you know, secure, secure enough for most applications to run on a browser, you know. I think, secondly, de depending on the size of your agency, I would really look for holistic uh, solutions. So something like a Microsoft E5 or something along those lines, uh, where it's, you know, it's built in Microsoft Defender, it's built in Azure AD, it's built in uh, identity protection and web filtering and exchange. And, you know, it's got all the bells and whistles with the one-stop shop for a lot of people. That way you're not having to really pick best of breed. Um, and a lot of the big players have these kinds of solutions where they hit 80% of what you need with one enterprise contract, essentially. Um, I won't say that it's cheap, but in terms of like trying to go pick things off the shelf or something like that, I mean, you're much better off until you get into, you know, mid-cap size companies of, of picking these all-in-one solutions. 
And so what about the smaller agencies, the, you know, five to 10 people who really can't go out and get the Microsoft Enterprise and whatnot? You know, what kind of solutions should they be looking into? Firewalls, things of that nature? Yeah, they should definitely be looking at firewalls. Uh, they should be really focused on how do they control their, their data, right? So uh, even at like, like an E3 or, or, or lower levels, um, these players offer, you know, what is called unified data governance. So they'll, they'll be able to tag your documents with what they represent uh, and offer encryption uh, on those documents. So if I download a document with a driver's license number, for instance, um, it can encrypt that document for me. I can always open it. People inside of my agency can always open it. Uh, and people I tell say can open that document, but nobody else outside of whoever I've recognized uh, can open that document. So it's a really powerful tool that's really come on on board in the last three to five years for, for people to go take a look at. So encryption is huge. And I know that there are several uh, e-signature uh, solutions that are integrated with, with Epic or can be integrated. And most of them do offer encryption. Is that what you recommend as far as sending that information, storing it, in in a in a internal server, things like that. You know, I know we tried a lot of different ones, and now with Gallagher, we're using Adobe EchoSign, and we have built-in encryption and things like that. So we don't really have to think about it because it's yeah. handled on a much higher level for us. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the smaller shops before we were acquired, we were a smaller shop. We were twenty people, and so there was a lot more that we had to consider uh, at that time. So I'm just you know, worried about the smaller shops and what they need to be prepared for and what they need to look out for. Yeah, I think, um, so if you if you start taking advantage of, you know, cloud-based solutions, a lot of them have built-in encryption at rest. They have built-in encryption in flight, right? So I wouldn't necessarily recommend standing up a server internally uh, if you can get away with it. Uh, I think finding a good MSP that you trust uh, and is willing to work with you you know, I think we had a couple of them at Applied Net that, that are worth uh, talking to. Uh, but um, making sure that they're qualified and they're comfortable, and most of them are for the most part, um, for, for helping smaller shops set those, those things up. But I, I think we're beyond the point of we need a server locally in our office, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every, pretty much everything is cloud-based, like you said, and it's great. It makes it much easier to, you know, work remotely and whatever you need to do to get the job done, which has been fantastic. One of the best things to come out of <laughs> the quarantine, if anything good came out of it, was flexibility in the workplace. Uh, but that also sort of leads into people having their own devices and connecting those to the corporate uh, VPN or whether they're in house or whether they're here at home, you know, what sort of situations do you have to worry about when you're using your own phone or your own tablet? You know, we were all assigned laptops, but I used my phone and I have my corporate email on my phone. You know, what sort of steps do I need to take or what should I be looking out for to make sure I'm not a victim of some kind of an attack? Personal devices on corporate networks is not something I would, I would really recommend or even really leveraging for um, you know, personal data, customer data, those sorts of things, unless you have the right configuration in place. So like Outlook on your phone, for instance, can stop you from copying and pasting. Uh, 
same thing for Gmail. So you get a uh, email into Outlook Mobile, you can't copy or paste in or out of that application on your phone. So it's got a built-in container. So if you're going to go that route, um, make sure that you're working with uh, somebody or a team that has done this before, because uh, PII records are expensive to lose, uh, especially when it comes to, to fines. Um, you know, I think it's uh, over $150 per record right now. Uh, if you oh wow for, for PII, yeah, so it's it's not an insignificant amount of money, uh, and when you're talking, you know, years worth of email uh, on on a phone potentially, um, you know, th those fines can ramp up real quick. Oh my goodness, it makes me want to delete the program right now and not have the emails on there. <laughs> there are you know tools, uh, especially you know it's going to be a larger company, but Intune is a good example of talking about all-in-one solutions. If you have okay. a um, contract, like you'll usually have Intune as part of that that contract, and that would prevent um, issues from having that. So corporate, you know, personal life and corporate life when it comes to technology definitely should not mix. I think it would be <laughs> a general view I would have. So how does that come into play when you have mobile producer or where it, it is literally an app on your phone that gets into your database and and, and whatnot. You know, do, does that have any special considerations there as well? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, going back to the Intune example, those run in secure containers. So that information doesn't leave that container on the phone. And you can run Intune on your laptop as well, um, which is, a, it feels like I'm a Microsoft sales guy right now. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there are mobile device management systems out there uh, that allow you to create secure containers for these mobile producers uh, that I would strongly recommend looking at. All right. I just want to circle back to something you had mentioned before about rotating passwords. And yeah. we all have to deal with, you know, every 45 to 90 days, come up with a new one. And it can be extremely stressful to remember all of them. What are your thoughts on password minders, whether it's the ones built into the browser or a third party like Bitwarden or something like that? We had used Bitwarden prior to our acquisition, but we had to change afterwards. And are there any that you would recommend? Are there concerns, you know, as far as hacking into them? You know, how secure are they? You know, what are your thoughts on those password minders? Yeah, so I don't know any of my passwords at all <laughs> uh, because I use those tools, right? Uh, you know, they're all 25 plus characters. I have no idea what they are. Uh, I rotate them uh, usually on a yearly basis. I've got a reminder on my calendar uh, every year to go in. Um, and so, you know, it drives my wife nuts because it's like, oh, we have a new password, you know, uh, for Netflix, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but I use it for everything. I think when you're talking about, um, you know, a, a corporate solution or a business solution, um, there are a couple like one login that allow you to set your own encryption key for those passwords so that only you can decrypt it. Uh, those are the kind of, of options I would look for when implementing it across the company. But um, I'm a big fan. I personally use uh, Google's built-in one and I bring my own key. So I have to unlock it in order to use it. Oh, that sounds great. So something like single sign-on would be a good corporate solution where you have the one password that gets you into your laptop and then it does whatever else it needs to do. Yeah, I think single sign-on is definitely like uh, the way everyone should be be moving uh, if they haven't already. You know, uh, I was working for the DoD in the early 2000s, and we were implementing single sign-on then. Uh, we were in, implementing two-factor authentication, you know, in 2003, 2005. So 
uh, I would say it's it's um, it's definitely worth the time. It's time for everyone to get on board with it. It makes things much easier, uh, both from a user experience point of view and from a security point of view. Um, in terms of you know that way you're only entering your password once, maybe twice a day uh, at most, um, and everything is kept securely away from accidental clicks, those sorts of things. Yeah, I think single sign-on is much easier than two-factor and having to remember which app or which way you get your uh, your verification code. I know that every carrier is a little different with that and it becomes really frustrating. It'd be nice if there was one one app that would do all of it. it would be so much easier than having uh, to remember, oh, this one's my cell, this one's an email. That, oh. But I do like single sign-on. It actually makes things much easier. Uh, I agree with that. Is that the way you see most things going is the single sign-on versus the two-factor or are they both here to stay? So, you know, I, I have a background in identity. I used to run identity at, at Cigna. Um, uh, so I've, I've got a, a decent feel for it. Um, I would say we're moving into a direction where passwords are, are going away uh, through an idea called decentralized identification. Um, and so, I think what you'll see is you don't have passwords, but instead you have your phone prompting you or a device prompting you. Um, I also see, you know, what they call UV keys uh, coming around. So, so physical access token essentially that you plug into your laptop or something like that, um, or use Bluetooth to connect to it is probably closer to the future. You know, companies like Google and Cloudflare only use physical access tokens. So um, there's no password involved in those companies at all. They just show up and they they tap their token and then they're in. Uh, I think that's where we should all be going. I think that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Instead <laughs> of having to remember so many passwords for for every carrier, every ancillary product, you know, it's 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 gets to be too much and. Uh, I know I still have users who, even though we tell them not to, will still write things down and hide them places. And I, I don't think, I, I don't know if that's a generational thing or what it is, but you still see the papers with the passwords written down. My own husband has a little book that he has everything written down. And <laughs> you look at like uh, NIST, the, the National Institute of Science and Technology, they have guidance around passwords being long, really simple and never changing. Um in favor of always using MFA, right? So I think if you get away from the need to change your passport all the time and it being complicated, uh, like just imagine one long sentence of all lowercase characters that you change once a year versus um, you know having to change it to a complicated password every 90 days. I think uh, you know we're definitely going in the right direction, uh, but security and insurance is you know not exactly a light speed kind of industry, so. No, definitely not. But it is exciting to see a lot of the changes that are coming along and, yeah. you know, between the browser and, and everything else. Uh, so that is very exciting to see. So really wanted to sort of touch base more on, you know, what sort of things should we warn our clients about? You know, we've had situations where we have people who buy artwork and they send a lot of wire transfers and things have happened where one number is different and the next thing you know, the money has disappeared. You know, it, it happens often. And other than just calling to confirm the wire information before sending it or, you know, just doing that double checking, there's, you know, what sort of ways can people 
protect themselves and make sure that they're they're looking at what they need to look at so that they don't hit the wrong thing and, and end up sending information incorrectly or, for, you know, heaven forbid, click a link and suddenly the network is kablooey because they downloaded some sort of Trojan or ransomware or something like that. You know, what, what sort of sort of steps should the average consumer or employee take to just protect themselves? That's a great question. So I, I think in in general, I, I've got an ongoing theme internally here at Applied, and that's to keep humans away from data. Uh, and, and so that essentially means that that we should automate the things that we can because that forces us to standardize our processes. It gets people away from you know the tendency to, to drift a bit. Um, and this is just a reoccurring theme internally, right? In order for you to automate something, you have to standardize. Um, and that that really makes you think about the processes from end to end. Um, so, you know, really it comes down to, you gotta be good at logistics, I think is is the way to put it. So if you're doing wire transfers, which are terrifying, right? Cause it's just gone. Uh, you know, that means you really gotta write that process down and, and kind of check the boxes each time if you're doing it. Cause that, there's no, there's no automated wire transfers as far as I know, right? That's still a phone call or some terrible form, but, um, <laughs> You know, I, I think really getting precise in, in how you're you're thinking about processes and thinking about how you would automate it goes a long way. In terms of what you should look out for, um, that's a good question. You know, uh, I think we all go through phishing training uh, multiple times a year. I think we're probably all immune to it. Uh, hopefully, like if you're at a company to have more advanced phishing training, uh, uh, you know, we, we change it up internally and we try and give, uh, we try and get people to click on Uber links and Comcast links and everything. And, you know, we're, we are, uh, they're well-trained internally here at Applied is what I would say. They, they are not clicking on as many things as I would want them to. So, uh, you know, you got to change it up, right? Cause, because people are smart. Um, and when it comes to yeah. those sort of, can't just be the same phishing email every month. Yeah, exactly. And we do here in New York, we have to take certain cyber classes every year uh, for certifications and whatnot. And yes, the, it's the same thing year after year. And you just sort of zone out. You already know what they're going to ask you. So ways to sort of shake it up and make it different and more interesting, I think would be would be great. You know, if that's something I don't know if it's I know Applied does a lot of webinars. Maybe that's something that could come down the pipe at some point. Um, any thoughts on that? So uh, there is a request. So we do have like an internal uh, program for security coordination. Um, there is a, a internal request for us to kind of make that uh, monthly communication available to customers. We're, we're looking at how we would do that. Uh, you know, recognizing the fact that we have a program, um, but, um, you know, I don't think we're, we're very solid on it. So we're thinking about it. How do we get this kind of information down to, to our customers? Oh, that that would be that would be very helpful. I know a lot of people would benefit from having that additional training, that additional information. You know, making sure it gets out there to the folks who need it. Our customer experience team is very focused on our customers for sure. So they, we, we get a lot of requests. <laughs> what was it at AppliedNet? Seventeen seconds to answer the call. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they they are on it for sure. <laughs> yes, they've always been wonderful. Whenever I've needed their help, that's for sure. So. All right. Well, Tanner, do you have any other final thoughts as far as cybersecurity or, or anything else that you think you want to just get out there to the folks? 
Yeah, so I would say, look, we're we're in we're about to start start our second year of a three year investment into security, right? And so we've got four primary goals in our long term strategy, and that's to defend applied, to to make sure that we're having the appropriate risk reduction within applied, to become trusted partners internally uh, for our customers uh, internally. So you know our developer uh, engineers, uh, our customer experience and uh, support reps. Uh, and also for our customers, our external facing customers, so the galleries, right, mm -hmm. of the world. Uh, and then we're we're trying to eliminate toil. So we're trying to keeping with that theme of keep humans away from data. We're trying to automate as many things as possible internally. So right now, um, on a given week, the information security team has um, over a hundred thousand events that we've automated. Uh, so we're getting back, you know, weeks on weeks of of time back to our engineering team. Uh, which is great for us. Uh, that allows us to focus more on our products versus uh, things internally. Oh, that sounds amazing. Uh, I can't wait to hear more about that. <laughs> it, yeah, well, hopefully Applied Net will have a great story to tell. <laughs> Let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Tanner. This was this was a really great discussion. I'm glad we got to cover a multitude of topics. <laughs> sure, man. Anyway, I, you know, I appreciate the invite very much. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. If you enjoyed this discussion, please subscribe and leave us a review to help others find the show. We're available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you prefer to listen. Also, if you're not already a member of Applied Client Network and are looking for insight on the insurance industry to connect with fellow insurance professionals or content on how to maximize your applied system software, be sure to visit us at AppliedClientNetwork.org and join today.